I want to be loved well by Jesus, so the love that I give other people is them being loved well by Jesus and me. And you can't be loved well by Jesus when you're talking to yourself saying you're an idiot. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Life Reframed. I'm Lauren Morgan. And I'm Rick Dunn. I had a little bit of a different cadence as I said that there. I like the change. Good for you. I think it was an accident. I think yeah. I needed to like take a breath. Normally, uh-huh. I take a breath before I start talking, yeah. and I didn't this time. So I thought it came out just great. I mean, you know what? It could be my new rhythm. It could be. And could. You just, you're just reinventing yourself right in the middle of it, right in front of it, right in yeah. real time. How's yeah, that? Absolutely. How are you, Rick? I'm good. I, I learned something yesterday. Okay. Um, I know I'm a grandfather. Yesterday I learned, I reminded. So my we were going out of town right before my grandson James' eighth, uh, seventh birthday. And so we wanted to go do some special with him. And he wanted to go to one of these indoor adventure kind of oh, parks, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good for him, yeah. Yeah, it is good for him. I mean, all kids love it, but well, that's especially good for an oh, active uh, yeah, boy. Yeah, for him and that age, it's yeah. just a great thing. And so we went to like the obstacle course, which is kind of like a... a way scaled down version of ninja warrior oh yeah thing. he said let's race pop i'm like oh yeah sure you know i do yoga i'm a, I'm a fit guy <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh evidently then we also we tried trampolines mm. and we tried uh a spinning thing which i don't oh. do spin well i get so all in all what i would say lauren is i think in overall i'm a pretty fit person but my joints are the joints of a grandfather <laughs> wow. you know those are all tough things too. <laughs> Well, evidently they were. They were above my above my skill level and my fitness level. But I had a great time, and so just so super fun to celebrate James on his birthday. Well, really happy good. birthday to James! Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. that's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah, it's a fun birthday. And today we are going to talk about perfectionism. We are, and uh, you and I, as soon as we talked about the topic, we're like. I think we can find things to talk about. Yeah. Not because I struggle with this or, <laughs> or anything. I with it, yeah. yeah, it doesn't hit home. No, it actually does. So it does. And so and we're pretty sure it does for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. And and also perhaps on a really deep level, this is a, a real challenge like it is for me internally. People don't see that in me externally, it's internal. Perhaps it's not that great of a challenge for maybe a person listening, but you've there are people in your world. This is a common human struggle i think sometimes even more so in places where you're you're a christian but you've not you're still struggling with being very religious this can be almost an added burden if you're a perfectionist yeah definitely and i think that any it doesn't matter where you live this is a struggle period but i think in the south too it's something that's with you know Looking, looking your best and having a presentable home oh and your children yeah. and all that. It's really easy to fall into the expectation of perfectionism. There are. We can even read in the scriptures, you know, the, the religious Pharisees and, and know that there's probably no one that escapes feeling like I should be better. I need to be better. I've got to be better. I've got to get this right. What are people thinking? How does this come across? So it's universal. Different people have it in different levels, different areas, maybe the country, but it's a universal thing. And I shared with you how this came about is I'm actually in a yoga class and Casey, one of the yoga instructors is quoting from a Brene Brown book. And I told you, my goodness, we need to talk about this. Yeah, you did. And I was like, 
anything Brene Brown, I'm in. That's right. So let's get started. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's funny, this, um, and we'll reference this book, that, which is the one you're talking about, The Gifts of Imperfection yes. uh, by Brene Brown. We'll we'll put it in the show notes, link to it so people can uh, read it for themselves if they'd like. But she starts this chapter about uh, perfectionism and self-compassion with this quote, by Anna Quindlin that says the thing that is really hard and really amazing is giving up on being perfect and beginning the work of becoming yourself, which that hits. It does hit. Because I don't think about perfectionism as taking away from who I am. Yes. Yeah. You think about it it like trying to make the best you, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And instead of perfect me, a perfect you. And we'll, and we'll hit the kind of the spiritual theological thoughts on this later, but we want to enter into this, just this place right now. One of the universal issues that people deal with is feeling I'm either not enough or I'm not good enough or everybody else around me is better and being, and and, and I do this because I do a lot of groups with particularly men and you, you can speak more from a woman's point of view from a man's point of view is here's 10 things that I'm gifted and I'm really strong. Here's the one thing that's really a weakness or an area. And it's like that becomes the focus. Yeah. The shame of the thing that's not okay or not strong or the shame of how people might perceive that we're weak or we might perceive that we're failing. That becomes like the headline in our lives. And that is the result of a perfectionistic attitude. It is. And, you know, I think a lot of times I think about perfectionism as uh, striving to be my best or do my best. And uh, I don't realize that there's a connection between shame and perfectionism. And you just mentioned that. And Brene Brown tells a story in in this chapter about um, an email she got from somebody saying like, you know, I don't struggle with shame, but if you ever do something on perfectionism, let me know because I'm there. And then I think it's like PS or something like that. Like they're not connected. Right. And Brene yeah. Brown's like, yeah, they're connected They're I mean, obviously she says it in a great way, right. but they're connected. And that was something that I think a lot of people, including myself, really are not aware of. You know, I was the way she reframed it mm-hmm. was really healthy. Uh, and I always say about Brene Brown. I'd love for her to go to the layer of the roots underneath the answer to these things. But in terms of naming reality, I don't think there's anything, anyone I've read who's better. Yeah. And when she says, uh, basically, our perfectionism is our attempt to a- avoid our feelings of shame and inadequacy. Lauren, that is 100% true about me. I pursue getting it right, being right, or being perceived as a guy who's got it together or being a strong leader or being a good husband or good father. I pursue those things because for me, the alternative feel is I'm going to feel ashamed, less than, insecure, and nobody wants to feel that. No. So on some level, we probably all pursue that. But I know for me, I have a, a an internal critic when I do something wrong or mess up, and I'm just going to be super honest. I got this, I got this thing I wasn't supposed to leave outside in the rain. Um, it's related to the pool, but I, you're not supposed to leave it in the rain. It's water resistant, not waterproof. All right. And so you're not supposed to leave it out in the rain. And I woke up this morning and I realized it is pouring down rain. And I left that sitting out there and it's mildly expensive. And do you know what I did? This is, I'm just going to tell you the truth. The first thing I said, Rick, you're an idiot. That's the, and that's, I didn't think that. I said it, Lauren. Rick, you're an idiot. That's my self-critic. You screwed up. 
This may cost you money. This is ridiculous. Anybody in their right mind would know, don't leave this out, and you did it. Yeah. And we, I mean, I'm like nodding my head because I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing to myself. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not, that's definitely not practicing self-compassion. <laughs> that's definitely, definitely that is, not self-love. I think that is not self-compassion and self-love, which we're going to talk about in a moment as being really important. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, it's like, I know, Lauren, I naturally know how to drive myself towards getting it right. Yeah. Much better than I know how to comfort myself when I get it wrong. Oh, that's good. That's a really good line, Rick. But it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't say, oh, gosh, well, actually, with all you've got going on this week and with this, this it's kind of understandable, but I don't want to do that again. I hope that's not ruined and, you know, we'll recover that. That's what I would have said if Teresa had done it. I'd right. say, oh, honey, you know, this happens. But on myself, I almost like I turn on myself yeah. to drive myself but it's because I don't want to feel like you're an idiot, so I want to get sure I get it right. And I sure don't want other people to think I'm an idiot. Right. Because that scares me. And now you just outed yourself on the podcast. <laughs> I just outed myself. <laughs> Everyone will know what you did. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. But that's vulnerability. <laughs> well, we'll take it for what you're it growing. is. You're oh, growing. Thank no, you, um, No, but that's, that's, I appreciate you sharing that so much because we, I think we all have those things. Some of as we've talked about, some of us more so than others, but we all have those things and we all, I think, say things, especially those of us who do struggle with perfectionism to ourselves mm -hmm. that we wouldn't say to other people. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, you wouldn't say that to Teresa. No. You wouldn't call somebody else an idiot for doing something. Right. So that's totally, that's a great example, Rick. And I think it helps us move into this mindset of like perfectionism. It's like I said before, it's not striving to do your best. Um, it's not self-improvement. So it is. there's a big difference between being a perfectionist or struggling with perfectionism and being someone who's focused on self-improvement. Yeah, and growing. Growing is wonderful. Mm -hmm. and, and so just a couple of thoughts as you've said that. Growing and improving and being a, a better version of myself can be wonderful acts of worship. Yeah. Like I want to be the best leader I can be you know you know how seriously I take leadership oh yeah like I'm a student of it I'm learning all the time I want to grow I want to because the impact of leading more effectively is is it, it makes an impact in people's lives right or I want to be a a better mom you know I want to grow as a mom and how I communicate with my children I want to be a person who um maybe if you have the gift of writing or maybe you have the gift of uh speaking or you have the gift of designing whether it be interior design or buildings or you want to grow and be better at those things because you can make impact and, that, and as a, being a businesswoman or businessman employing people is a really good thing so you want to be better at that and all those things but the difference in whether or not that is something that is becoming a fruit of an internal like a rest and like i want to grow me better versus the fruit of the driver the critic the got to get it right has a lot to do i think Lauren, with whether or not you enjoy that journey of growth or if it just feels like one more task and burden that's dumped on you that just makes life harder and causes you and here's the crazy thing is if i feel ashamed because i've failed and i'm a call myself an idiot guess what i feel more ashamed and i'm less likely to grow in the way you're describing if i'm shaming myself yeah you brought up something good that um Self-improvement is self-focused. How am I doing? How am I growing? How can 
I improved while perfectionism is others focus? Like, what will they think? How am I pleasing, performing and perfecting? Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference between those two. So you mentioned kind of how it makes you feel and, and looking into that. I think a few other things just to establish what perfectionism is, making sure that everybody's on the same page. It's self-destructive. It really is. I mean, as you've been talking about, that's right. not what we should do. Now, I say all that and I'm like, I'm still probably going to leave here and be like, oh, I didn't do this or that. I'm not speaking about this from a place of somebody who's an expert. I'm deeply in the perfectionism trap. Well, you're hard on yourself. And I've, yeah. I've, I mean, I'm close enough to be able to say yeah. you're hard on yourself. And and the one thing, I mean, I, I respect that in you because I know you want to do things well. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I love about working with you. Like if we're doing something, it's not very good or something. You'll say, I don't think this. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, yeah. I, well, you want us to be. I, I have high expectations for myself and others. You do. Yeah. And, I, I, that's, and a that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It brings it brings growth it, unless it's tied to, and if I don't always, every time, reach those standards, yeah. or to your point, if someone perceives I didn't do well and that causes me to get in this negative thing, that's destructive, not constructive. Yes, very much so. It's never attainable to be perfect, ever. And I can't think of any time where being, uh, striving for, for that, for perfectionism, has brought more life into my life that is a i love that it doesn't bring more life so let me give you an example for me like i speak in front of a lot of people right and i write things a lot of people read when i'm being in my perfectionistic mode and i'm overly self-conscious of what do people think how am i doing i gotta get this right it actually shuts down my heart mm -hmm. it disconnects me from the reality of being a human being on a journey with jesus in my life and it causes me to kick into that performer mode which I know how to do. I know how to perform. Uh, and then I get in the performer mode. And then really, Lauren, I'm not really offering my, my best self to people. I'm offering a facade of my best self because I, and here's the, this is Rick's confession, because I'm afraid my just being my best self with all of its flaws and imperfections is not going to be enough and it won't be okay and people will reject that, which is what you're describing. Now I'm actually being driven by whether or not people accept me or not. Yeah. And that's not life giving to no. me or and it's not life giving to them either. It doesn't work. No. No, it doesn't. And and all these things about authenticity and belonging and stuff like that all come into play because yes. all of those are things that you're talking about there. So as we let's move from talking about perfectionism into self compassion because yes. we'll never come out of perfectionism without large doses yep. of self-compassion a hundred percent and and i'm i guarantee i'm sure i'm just, let me just I'm, I'm sure there's someone who listens to this is that really biblical like you know is that just like oprah and brene kind of doing their thing and it's just you know you know like people are kind of like is that just dr phil and so let me talk biblically about self-compassion yeah. right when paul is saying wretched man that i was dealing with all the shame his answer is jesus we're just gonna look to jesus right uh, Hebrews tells us that Jesus uh, invites us to his throne of grace where it says, and he has sympathy with us because he's been tempted and he understands and yet he has not sinned. So no one understands it more than Jesus. No one understands more than what Jesus about being 
human. One, because he created us. Right? And two, because he lived as one. Right? So, so we're, going, we're in a relationship with someone who has extraordinary compassion on our humanity. That's the first thing. Second thing is we're told to love others as we love ourselves. And so that's kind of gotten weird with all the self-help stuff and the self-actualization stuff, all that. The way I interpret that is I want to be loved well by Jesus so the love that I give other people is them being loved well by Jesus and me. And you can't be loved well by Jesus when you're talking to yourself saying you're an idiot. Very true. Because that's not what he thinks. That's yeah. not what he says. He might, he will give reality. Jesus gives reality. He's not going to say, he doesn't just like, there's nothing about scripture or about the work of the spirit that kind of glosses over and says, oh, right. you're good. No, you're wonderful. You're part. Oh, you're so good. You're, he's not Southern. He's, he's not Southern he's not Jesus. Southern. Like we picture Southern him to be. Oh, so true. He's not right. And so he's going to tell you the truth, but with such compassion of like, but I got you. I've got this. I, I yes, that was a, there's a better way to do that. And I can help you that. Yes. You got into that fight. I got in that fight with Teresa and I said things in ways I shouldn't have said them. And if I can't experience his compassion for me with him, I'll never really be able to enter into with Teresa. I'll just be trying to fix things or I'll be trying to get things right. Or I'll, you know, I'll be in that. I want to be a better husband and all the kind of, you know, be stronger kind of. And so one of the things, and we've had Harv on as a guest before, and we'll have him on again, my executive coach and friend, and our friend, because we've worked together now, right. three of us. Um, you know, one of Harv's favorite things, he says, you have to remember you're a mere mortal. And Jesus relates to us as mere mortals, Lauren. He relates to us as sinful near, mere mortals, and we have to learn to relate to ourselves like that, or we're actually in a civil war with Jesus over who we are. That's good. Man, that's so good. So self-compassion, we're talking about self-kindness. Mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, common humanity, which is what you've just yep. been discussing. Yeah, that's her, her term is common humanity. Brene mm -hmm. Brown, Harvey uses mere, mere mortal. mortal. Same thing. Yeah, and I'm just like, you, you're just a human being. It's just yeah. the way it is. And then mindfulness are yeah. all important aspects of it. And so we can't have compassion for ourselves um, or really for others without having the self-kindness, yeah. recognizing our humanity and practicing mindfulness, which a long time ago, and we can, we'll link to this episode in the show notes, we had um, Tracy Serrano on to yes. talk about mindfulness. And we got so much feedback on that episode of like, I had no idea. I always thought it was like just uh, like kind of... Eastern mysticism or for, yeah. or for people who have all this time in the world to sit yeah. around and think. Yeah, yeah. And, and how much, like how you could implement mindfulness in your daily life without having to, you know, radically shift what you do or whatever. So um, that's a great episode to listen to, too, as we talk about that. But um, we want to talk about how important it is to, to do these things yes. and practice these things. So let's start with self-love. Yeah. How do we come out of a place of not maybe not loving ourselves like we yeah. should and yeah. then start practicing self-love well you know i think there's probably three things that make that happen one is we really need to spend some time really understanding how god sees us when you know i do uh, men's groups one of the things that i do and one of the things i as i lead through those groups i help men begin to understand how to hear the father say beloved 
Because it's the first thing he says about Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus does his ministry, before he goes to the cross, so I just really love him. And if you read the Old Testament, you know, you really see a God who's pursuing a people he loves, even when they reject him. He keeps, I'm not giving up on you. So one of the things we want to begin with is understanding what the gospel really says about that we are as beloved, that the headline of Lauren Morgan is she's beloved by the father. That's the headline. There's all other pieces to Lauren and there's wonderful things. There are things that can grow. There's things that are amazing and powerful just being who you are. But the headline, whether you're working out as an amazing, powerful person or whether the, the shadow sides playing in a little too much than, than you want, is the headline your beloved and that to me is the it's the journey we're going to do an episode on that later a little bit more on that so but let me just say that's a journey the second thing is i got to have people help me with this like nobody comes to com- comes convinced of that they're really beloved as long as you're hiding the shame and the self-rejection and the insecurity as long as you stuff that down into a corner and no one ever sees it and you cover it with your perfectionism or whatever you're doing you have no hope of really believing this because we were made for community and to have people speak into our lives. Yeah, I see that in you, and I love you. I, yeah, you know what? You, the truth is you're like that, and I love you. Mm-hmm. And I actually love that part of you because that's just a part of who you are in Jesus. And, I, and I'm, I, I want for you to experience growth in that, but you don't need to grow for me to love you. And those mm-hmm. things need to be shared and seen by people because as long as we remain unseen, you know, this is a big, one of our big things is seen, seen. Right. As long as the dark or the shadow, whatever remains unseen, Lauren, we can keep beating ourselves up over it. That's so good. And, and, and then it's just going to take a learning curve of the guy who's coming to partner with you on the podcast this morning to talk about all these things, called himself an idiot this morning. And so I'm going to have to keep learning and growing my whole life in this. Uh, and so here's the thing. I'm going to have to love myself and I'm going to have to love myself learning through learning to love myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you and I both know, and it's one of the reasons we, we so value and champion vulnerability. You keep that stuff in there and it just, it just turns into uh, infection. Sure. So I think that's a huge part of it. It does. And I think an important principle too, and this is something that Brene Brown talks about earlier in this Mm -hmm. book is love being not just being something that we say, but that it's an action. And so like we're saying, practicing love Mm -hmm. and things like that, it's something that it's not just like, oh, it's going to come or whatever. Like we just have to put it into practice. We just have to do it through, like you said. Yeah exactly like you just said but don't you find lauren that your best relationships are the ones that actually know your flaws yeah and still love you oh yeah i mean because then you feel known like you said that's when you feel known and you feel loved yeah and it's so much easier for you to practice that and you'll have friends who'll call you on it and say you're being too hard on yourself you're good yeah you're fine it's okay it's you're human it's just a part of the deal you're going to mess up and and you're also going to sin you know, we grew up, particularly those of us who grew up in the church, grew up with this truth. It is our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is an offense to a holy God. Apart from the uh, life of Jesus, we would be objects of his wrath. But because of Jesus taking on the wrath, we have then the love of God. We do all that, and yet, 
when we still struggle with sin, we act towards ourselves as if we're still condemned. Yeah. As if he's still wrathful. Yeah. As if he's still about to come after us. As if he's like, you better not do that again. Or what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Those kinds of condemning things. And it's fascinating when Paul talks about, he says, you know, I, I, I do things I shouldn't do, things I shouldn't do. Who sets me free? He says, Jesus Christ. And the next verse that starts chapter eight, there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus because of the love of God. And he ends it by saying nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so when we sin, we should take that very seriously. But even that is a part of the story. That sin is a part of the story. It's a part of the grace. It's a, and here's what I think is actually at the core that Brene Brown won't talk about because she's not say she talks about grace and she talks about mm -hmm. forgiveness and she talks about spirituality, but she doesn't have this framework. And we're going to reframe perfectionism around this. When you and I, Lauren, pursue perfectionism for the sake of being seen as competent, strong, good, so we don't have to feel ashamed and condemned and all that, we are usurping the role of Jesus who says your imperfection is to my glory. Your sin is to my glory. And yes, it has consequences and yes, you want to grow. But the reality is Jesus is like, that's actually the place where I gain the most glory in your life. Not the things you're getting right or your people are ooh and on over. Right? So we both love it. We we're performers. We love it. When, oh, that Lauren Morgan, she's something that Rick done. You know, we both love, we love, everybody loves that. And you and I have, enough public gifts, we can pull that off. And Jesus is like, okay, well, you know, use those. But then we hit these places where we need to grow in our self-care. We need to be more vulnerable and let people glove us well. We need to be more mindful of what's actually going on. We go to those places and Jesus is like, oh, now that, that's where I want to love you most. And it's so paradoxical, Lauren, because mm -hmm. the very place that we think is the least important to him or the least attractive to him is right. the very place he wants to meet us. Oh, that's just such a great thought. So we'll wrap up. And I think just as a reminder that perfectionism never happens in a vacuum. And so it will spread. It will, it will touch. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to infect every person right. around us. But like my perfectionism impacts my children mm -hmm. and they live in that world along with, you know, people that we work with and people that we're friends with and all of that. And so um, self-compassion is the same. And that's we, a great point. Yeah. So, I mean, what a what a great thing like that helps reframe my mindset on it, too. It's like, yeah. what do I want spreading to other people around me? Do I want it to be like compassion and love for myself and for them? Or do I want it to be this perfectionistic world that I live in? Mm, I love that, Lauren. I, 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 and I love that because you've hit on a really important truth is no matter what we think we're creating in life, we're creating whatever is coming out, out from out inside us. Yeah. Yeah. Not what we think we're putting out. No, there. What's coming from inside us is what we're putting out there. And being aware of that and just in the way you said and say, hey, I want to, I don't want my driven perfectionism to be the thing that's headlined with my children. I want the grace of Jesus and his love for me to be the headline. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just growing and learning and 
doing it together. So for our listeners who, like us, struggle with perfectionism, and for those you're around, the words you just shared to me give us great hope that we can really grow. So be sure to check out the show notes. We'll link to this uh, Brene Brown book and uh, also to our mindfulness episode with Tracy. We really didn't dive into that here, but we don't need to because we've got that great content from her. So um, if you're interested in that, that's a great one to check out too. And thank you for being with us today. We hope you have a good one. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Reframe podcast. I hope that you are enjoying it and being uh, encouraged and strengthened by it, just the way Lauren and I are every time we have these conversations. We are so thankful for those who make this possible. Um, You don't see them. They're just names to us. They are very, very important teammates. Sam Scott, who's our producer and editor, Laura Benner, who, God bless her, keeps Lauren and I somewhat organized as much as it's possible. And then also Alex Diefenderfer, who oversees our comms department, who has a vision for helping us build uh, this community with you. And we are so thankful for you. You could always give us the gift of a five-star rating and any kind of comment or send us an email or a text and just let us know how you're being shaped by these conversations uh, or just ways in which we can be an encouragement to you. So thank you so much, Life Reframe community. We love you guys.